0: Hey folks, if you're being treated for anxiety and depression and you're still struggling, consider joining one of my DBT groups. Skills groups are a supportive, inclusive, cost-effective way to get the skills you need to create the life you want. Go to my website, rebeccashackney.com slash groups for more information. I'm Rebecca Shackney. Anxiety is something that plagues us all, especially now. I teach my clients to set up simple routines to get them through. But finding time for self-care is hard, even for me. But I'm trying to do better. This is A Therapist Takes Her Own Advice. In the last few weeks, I've been talking to a lot of friends and family across the country. I've noticed so many people are really suffering with anxiety, and it's no wonder with all that's going on right now Then a local friend told me what she does when she's feeling stressed. She knits. It's not as unusual as it sounds. Research shows that working with your hands and doing something you enjoy can be helpful at reducing stress and anxiety. Today, my friend Rachel Joyce talks to me about anxiety knitting. Thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. Anytime. Um, It's nice to
1: be in your basement. You're the first human I've seen other than my family in quite a while. Wow, I'm honored. (laughs) Tell me about your anxiety. Well, being anxious runs in my family. I've had anxiety since I was a kid. Probably ebbs and flows with what's going on. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'm okay at dealing with it and sometimes I'm not. I think currently as at this weird time in our world and in my life, I'm actually much better at it than when I was younger. And I mean, some of that just comes with age, mm-hmm. but um, I think I'm able to take a better you know, perspective on what is worthy of anxiety and what is not and mm-hmm. what I can control and what I can't. And so, when you were talking about this podcast, and I jokingly said, Oh, you should interview me about uh, anxiety knitting, um, I really said it like a joke. And mm-hmm. you were like, Oh, no, I want to know about that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> All right. So, then, uh, I mean, being a news producer, I have to be prepared for stuff. And that's just, I mean, maybe that's just me also, but like, I have to do. I have to do some back research and kind of figure out like, okay, well, am I crazy to think that these things are related that the fact that I love to knit when I'm upset? So I kind of just started doing some research and I was like, oh, maybe it's not crazy. There is it seems like there's some some reasoning behind, you know, how much I knit and when I'm upset and and all that stuff.
0: So tell me, how does the the anxiety manifest for you? Just like for me, for you, yeah. So like,
1: uh, I'm someone who just kind of overthinks things and does and likes to be in control. Mm-hmm. And when I feel out of control, whether out of control of the world or my own life or something, you know, just just that I can't uh, I can't fix. I start to like loop my mm-hmm. thoughts that mm-hmm. I just can't get out of. Uh, I just can't get out of worrying. You know, like I can't I either go over the thought over and over or, you know, it re- leads me down a rabbit hole that I just go down. I'll start thinking like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen in this situation? And then as though, well, if I figured out the solution to that, it would be OK, would be fine. But it's <laughs> not and it's not going to happen. So, um, I mean, that's kind of me. And like, I think for me, like it really took a long time to kind of just acknowledge that, like, yeah, it's it's OK to need help.
0: You know, it's interesting we do a lot of thinking when we're, we're feeling something and we try to think our way out of a problem or out of an emotion and you can't think your way out of an emotion. You have to feel your way out of an emotion, but it feels like you're doing something. You're getting something done if, you're, if your mind is racing and thinking and, okay, if I figure this out, it'll be okay. And really what happens is that just begets more and more anxiety. It's like we've tricked ourselves into thinking we're doing something good, but it doesn't really help. Right. And it,
1: I mean, you absolutely have that feeling of like, well, I'm going to fix it and I'm going to, I'm going to make this better. Mm -hmm. And kind of all that extra brain energy, like for me, it feels like it's physical energy that I should be working off, but I'm, I'm doing it mentally. And that's horrible it just makes it worse I should get up and jog or something but
0: well so that's an interesting um point there you can deal with anxiety um in two different ways you can lean into it or you can back away from it so the leaning into it would be the getting up and jogging going for a walk cleaning the kitchen my kitchen is never so clean as when I'm um really anxious or really agitated um doesn't happen very often, um, so so you can lean into it and really utilize that energy, that emotional physical energy, or you can back away from it, going from the fight or flight anxiety place to the rest and digest. Is that like the meditation side of? Is that like dealing with it through meditation? It can be. I mean, it can be dealing with it through meditation, through deep breathing, through guided muscle relaxation it can be which we do every single night at bedtime I love Alex and that I, we have
1: our shared meditation that we do in bed as we're going to fall asleep and we we say we're like okay is it time for the lady as though she's going to join us in bed <laughs> and um <laughs> we pull her up on Alex's phone and she that's how we fall asleep
0: that's fantastic mm-hmm. and you know i it really does get you into that relaxed state And the thing is that the more you practice it, the more your mind is used to it. It's reshaping your mind to, okay, now we're relaxing, we're falling asleep. So tell me about knitting. So,
1: I mean, I learned to knit when I was, uh, I guess, in college or so, uh, you know, taught by a close family friend. And I liked it. I thought it was fun and it was something to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I knitted on, you know, or I knit on and off from college and through my 20s. And then I stopped when I had a baby and I ended up having like carpal tunnel and Mm -hmm. couldn't. And then I had surgery and I started and and the surgeon told me like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to go back to that. You're going to make it worse. Give up. You're not going to knit again. Wow. And I, you know, at the time I was like, oh, that's really disappointing. It's something I enjoy. And then two years ago or so, I, I had this, you know, like big traumatic thing in my life. And I was walking in a store, I was walking in a Walmart randomly enough, and I passed the yarn section and it was like I just like zombie walked over and bought cheap needles and really cheap yarn and within a day had like retaught myself how to knit. And I was in this kind of haze of, you know, a life moment Mm -hmm. and I couldn't process what was going on, but I could do this thing and I could... I could pick up this, you know, cheap ass yarn and these annoying needles Mm -hmm. and like, you know, in some sort of trance, I could kind of, I realized that I could calm my brain down. Wow. And uh, so I started again and that's it. And for some reason it felt completely different. So like I had, i it took a little while to remember the motions, Mm -hmm. but for me, I was doing it for a very different reason. I wasn't like 22 knitting, you know, my boss, a pair of baby booties, or I wasn't (laughs) making a friend a hat. It was, um, it was like purely for me. And it was purely like, I'm going to do this, this thing to calm my brain. But that's just me. Like, I know that that's not, you know,
0: that you mean you're not solving the whole world's problems? I am not, no. This, for me,
1: I, I have not figured out the world's problems. I wish I
0: had. Wow. You know, it's interesting. You say that I, almost as if you're apologizing. For like having found the, my own cure or, I mean, your it's own not, thing, but Your own thing, your own thing. See, there's no cure for anxiety. No. There's no cure. It is something we have to have. If we don't have anxiety, we would all just sit and lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day long we would never pay our bills or go to work or do our, you know, do uh, the schoolwork that our children need to do. Um, we would not do those things that we need to get done. So we need some anxiety; it's motivating us. What we don't need is that level of anxiety that paralyzes us. Exactly. That's sort of. That, that feeling of being fr-
1: completely frozen mm-hmm. from making any sort of action at all.
0: You have to learn how to have it in your life mm-hmm. and have it not take over your life. So I think it's really important that you have found something. Yeah. I mean,
1: for me, it feels, it certainly doesn't take away all the anxiety, but it feels like it's just taking off the top edge. Like it's that, you know, it's that feeling of like, that having a drink, that first cocktail where it like just takes the edge off and mm-hmm. you're you're good. You're you know, think about like that awkward first date where you're like, I'm just gonna have a drink and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna feel a little better. For me, it's sort of like it takes the edge off and I can do other things. Like mm-hmm. I can it's something to do with my hands. It keeps it's enough thought that it's taking the the top level of worry away
0: for me. Excellent. That's fantastic. That's really fantastic that you have that. And you know, what's funny is that a lot of therapists use things like that to um, help their patients get deeper or or help them just tolerate being in the room with their emotions. So I have Play-Doh and fidgets and all kinds of things for especially my younger clients to play with, but even older clients, even adults, you know, it gives you something to do and it just takes a little of the intensity away so that you can get to that place and and utilize the time more effectively tolerate the moment better so tell me about how do you deal with mistakes so okay
1: so i know that there are different um there are different ways of thinking about mistakes i have read that um, back in Victorian times, people would like knit mistakes intentionally into their work mm-hmm. because it would either let the let the soul out or it would, some people thought it showed that they weren't prideful. I completely see that. And I've still read things today where people are like, oh, you, you have to embrace the mistakes that if you, you know, if you slip a stitch and, and something happens, you have to embrace it because there are mistakes in life and it teaches us to accept them and move on. And I think that is beautiful. And I hate it so much. <laughs> so... Like for me, if I'm knitting along and I realize that two or three rows ago I f- something up and I'm like, ah, I will rip it out. And it makes me super happy to do that mm-hmm. because, I mean, I, it's, so, it's, it's so clear to see what it means in my own life. That like you can't go back and fix the mistakes of your youth, but I can fix my knitting and I can rip out three rows and or I can rip out a whole project and it doesn't make me feel bad that like, ah. Oh, what about that, you know, oh, I can, I can no, it's awesome. It's like I can actually go back and and feel like I made a, con. you know, I, I repaired something or I like made a concrete change for the better. Wow. <laughs> wow. And and like my husband will often comment. He'll be like, "Why?" he'll look at me and be like, gosh, he'll see me just like ripping at something because like that's how it feels when you, it's really satisfying to pull out knitting
0: because mm-hmm. it yes. like
1: pops yes. as you go along. Yes,
0: I felt that. Yeah,
1: and he'll look at me and he's like. He worked on that all week. I'm like, yeah, it was a mistake. It's all right. I'm like, especially now during quarantine, what else do I have to do? I don't (laughs) care.
0: You know? Right, right. No, but you know, I'm a knitter too. And that, that dropped stitch. Oh, you just look at it. Well, you can't have that. It's not just that it's a mistake that, so the whole thing is imperfect, it's a mistake that can ruin everything else because it can continue to unravel. Exactly that, like, and isn't that um, a metaphor for life? That like that one thing, you could like just dwell
1: on how that one mistake maybe impacted your entire career, your whole life, every mistake. <laughs> Anyways, so that's for me. There's something really great about like a tangible way to fix something and move on, mm-hmm. and um,
0: it just makes me feel better. Um, and I love the idea that this is about the process. And so there's an impermanence to it, mm-hmm. that it's not about here, I have made you this thing or, you know, whatever. It's, I have been able to quell my anxiety and tolerate quarantine or whatever's mm-hmm. happening in your life better because I have been knitting. I've
1: been doing this thing. And right now, like, I'm not really knitting for anyone specifically, and maybe mm-hmm. that yeah, I don't know how that fits in. I'm sure it does right now though. Like I'm knitting for me really. I'm picking out colors that I like, not that I want to keep anything that I'm knitting, but I, (laughs) I'm picking out things that like make me feel good. Like everything I'm picking out right now is all rainbows. And I don't know if that's because it's pride month or because it's just rainbows make me happy right now, but I am, I'm knitting like really ugly stuff and I, I love it. Um, and so then I'm I'm not really picturing who I'm going to give stuff to. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the action and there isn't the pressure of like, oh, this has to be done. This has to, you know, I'm making 18 bags and if somebody wants one, I'll
0: pass it off into the world. Right. And that's an interesting point because if there is pressure right. behind what you have to do, it changes the whole mindset. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing when it's a meditative, repetitive right. action. Um, It's a, it affects your mind and body different than if it's something you've got to do and you've got to get it done, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, my current state, my, my, my natural, um, what would you call it? My habitat currently Mm -hmm. is sitting in this glider swing outside, looking at the bird feeder, knitting and, I mean, the world just goes on around me. Uh, my kid plays. My s- husband putters in the yard, and I just sit there like a in a trance, knitting, looking at the birds, mm-hmm. listening to a podcast, and like it's how I'm coping.
0: So, I want to talk a little bit more about what physiologically the the um, knitting does for you. Yeah.
1: So, like, I'll tell you, and then I'm really curious to hear kind of like what it means. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a feels like meditating to Mm -hmm. me that like when I knit, if you're not a knitter, (laughs) there are different stitches you do and some are easy and some are hard. And like, I will choose what I want to work on depending on what I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I can do something really simple and it, my, you know, I can hear the needles clink and I can, you know, my hands kind of know what to do. And I, in the Very, very back of my mind, I'm counting stitches. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, it's just numbing everything just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's, it just feels kind of soothing. Like I've always joked with my friends that I was like, no, that's, it's, it's like anxiety knitting. That's what I'm, I'm doing this to fix myself. I really hadn't looked into If that was true, it was just my own theory.
0: So I want to just correct something. You said you felt like you were numbing out. You're not numbing out. It's a way for your mind and body to process that anxiety. So when we push anxiety to the back burner, when we numb out, when we, um, you know, anxiety shop or do whatever those sort of maladaptive behaviors are, that is just... Kind of pushing it down so that we're gonna to have to revisit it on another at another time. So what you're actually doing is allowing your body, you're quelling it just enough so that you can process it. And that's what meditation does for us. It gives you something to focus on. And then you notice that your mind drifts away. And then you bring yourself back to the breath, to the knitting, to the rosary beads, mm-hmm. and then your mind drifts away again, and when your mind drifts away, that's your mind and body processing that anxiety and letting it go. Hmm. So it's much different than numbing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. So it's not like having that cocktail. It really is. No, I mean it, it definitely triggers um, the sympathetic nervous system in a similar way. But it's not like having a cocktail, because when you have a cocktail, that doesn't get rid of the anxiety. It just puts it off for another time. That's very interesting. Yeah. And if I take an hour
1: and I knit and I sit and I let my brain kind of just, I mean, I'm still thinking about what's going on, but it doesn't feel as bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I take an hour and
0: I, it's also taking an hour just for me. Yeah. um, I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. When you have, when you take a Xanax or take uh, a cocktail, often when it wears off, you get more anxious. So, and then you need a little more the next time and a little more the next time. And that's why those are not sustainable ways of, of, uh, managing your anxiety i'm not saying you you know you can never have a glass of wine or you certainly if you're prescribed medications take them as per your doctor's orders but i'm saying those are those are simply to get you from one moment to the next they're not really reducing your overall anxiety interesting yeah yeah no i mean it makes total sense um So what happens is, um, I think it's the sound, it's the physically doing something with your hands, and even the counting in the back of your head that's triggering your sympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of the fight or flight impulse that we have with anxiety. So when that is triggered, for you, that sends the message to your body, to your mind, that Whatever you're anxious about is not really dangerous, you know. It's like your logical self is saying it's okay. You're gonna be okay. This is you're not in danger. So that's why we, one of the reasons we have anxiety when we have severe anxiety, you know, it's the, it's the, there's a tiger coming at us and mm-hmm. do we freeze? Do we run?
1: Right. You get or- that adrenaline. Cause you've got to do something like you've got to have a physical response. Indeed.
0: And-, and what actually happens is your breath goes into your chest. It becomes shallow and your adrenaline starts pumping And, um, your digestive system shuts down, you know, the blood goes to your extremities and you are ready to either fight, fight or run. And what you're telling your mind and body when you start to knit and you hear that sound is it's okay. I'm not in danger. I got this. And over time it, it reduces your overall anxiety, but certainly in the moment you feel better that's really interesting. Yeah, I
1: I mean some of it does feel like a little bit of is the the physicality of you know the the adrenaline coming out that like okay, well I've got this I've got to work off something. That mm-hmm. like I've got a little bit of that extra hand energy. Mm-hmm. Um and so okay, well it starts with that and that's how I kind of get into it. And then the the adrenaline comes and like I'm able to quickly turn to something that's not destructive Mm -hmm. and work off a little bit of that energy. And then it does feel like, I don't know, the hypnotist, you know, counting back from
0: 10 yes, and then I'm okay. Yes. That's fantastic. And you've been doing it so long that you don't even have to think about it. Your mind just goes there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, and it's, you know, another thing to do, you know, the deep breathing. And I know that's so cliche and every, oh, take some deep breaths. No, but it, I mean, it matters. It It does. It really does. That you can take with you. So where you, you may not have your knitting needles all the time, you can just focus on your breath, Mm -hmm. deepen your breath. And you're, you're basically telling your body again, it's okay. You're not in danger. And you notice that as you keep doing it, you feel better. And I'll tell you, I, I was at a I, I saw a physical therapist a few months ago, and she taught me some breathing exercises that I had never done. And, and you know what's funny is, I teach these all the time, but I don't do them <laughs> And I, so I was doing these, these breathing exercises with her, and they worked. It works. The stuff we tell you, the stuff you're doing, it, it works. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I don't know, that makes
1: normal people feel so good to hear that, like, you know, it works and you don't always do it. Right. That's sort of that, like, we all have to be reminded of like, hey, you have the skills to help yourself. Yes. Because, I, you know, I'm, I know that not every behavior is healthy. Um, but that's sort of. I don't know that feeling of like you actually do have the tools. Yes, you just have
0: to remember to use them. Right. Yes, and that's the thing we forget. We totally forget, and I forget. You forget. We all forget to use and do the things that we know we should be doing, the things that work. Um, and that's why I'm here because, and that's why you go to therapy to be reminded. I don't go to. Th- you don't go to therapy to. To have somebody tell you what to do, you know what to do. You, have some, you go to therapy to be reminded and to, to hopefully, I mean, another thing that helps is talking and getting it out. Right. And all of those thoughts that are swirling around in your head are a lot worse when they're in your head. And if you can get them out and talk about them, you know, you're going to feel better. It's, it's so true that like having,
1: having that buddy that like, if you, I do have a therapist, but like, if you don't have a therapist, like having that buddy that you say, like, here's what I'm feeling. Is that crazy? And of course the person's going to say,
0: no, I feel the same way. And it just helps. It helps. It really helps. It helps. And you know what the other thing is, again, there's a physiological thing that happens when you talk. You are releasing dopamine and oxytocin and it feels good. And what are we doing right now? We are isolating away from
1: everyone we know and we don't have our friends. We don't, you know, we're not getting together. We're not meeting at a coffee
0: shop and it just feels like this is so much harder. Yes. Because we all feel alone. Right. Right. Um, and you're not alone. We're not alone. We are actually all here in this together. And if you're struggling, please reach out for therapy. We are here and we will help you. And it it really can make a difference. I know a lot of people are like, how can talking about this help? It does. It really, really does. Totally. So totally. totally. You mentioned earlier that um, you and Alex do the uh, meditation before you go to sleep. I just want to talk about that for a second and how people can use that at home to really, because that's something that you can just do.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I, it's, I really never meditated until this, until we all got stuck at home. (laughs) So um, I, I uh, use a workout app and they happen to have some meditation stuff on there.
0: How long did it take before you um, started to feel a difference? I would
1: say like the first three or four
0: times I did it, mm-hmm. I felt dumb. Okay.
1: And I liked it. I was like, okay, well, that was calming. That was fine. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of get over the cheesiness uh-huh. of it. Um, but then I realized that I was like, okay, well, you know, even if it feels cheesy, it's working. Yeah. So, what's the difference? Like, there's no one around judging me for oming or or breathing like this. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I I had been doing it, and I know my husband had seen me doing this before bed, as he would brush his teeth, and I would like have my little meditation tape playing. And for me, like having listening to something, you use a guided meditation. I use a guide. Yeah, and I I actually have to. I don't think. I can get in that state, maybe not yet, at least, without someone walking me through it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, you know, he was cool with it. And then his therapist recommended he start it. And so then I was like, all right, well, we're going to do this together. And so it became our weird nighttime routine. And I think the fact that, like, we don't judge each other, we both fall asleep really well, it's great. And I'm someone, I have a lot of sleep issues. Mm. And um, I really like doing this more than I like taking a pill. I like more That's than I, fantastic. I, I it, for me, it works. And it for, I, I like having the same guided meditation every night. Mm. Cause I don't like to think about what's coming next. It's like, I know it, it's comforting. Mm-hmm. It's like having the same movie on. Wow. You know I don't know. But that's just
0: me, I don't know how No, I think that's fantastic Um, I actually have had clients I had one client a few years ago Who had to have half a bottle of wine To fall asleep every night And then she started Meditating And was able to fall asleep Without any wine And it was so great Um, And then you wake up refreshed And not that hungover groggy Thing that happens because you don't get Good sleep when you've um, been drinking, but what I like about what you said is that you did it the first time and it was weird. You did it the second time, the third time, and, and then you were like, "It works, Wait. right? Like, who cares if it's weird? Just it's great." Actually, you know, now that I'm thinking
1: about it, I actually I did one and it was fine. But I I really started doing it with my son mm. because he was anxious about everything that was going on, and I was like, you know what? We're going to do this together. And I, I was doing it for him, but I was the one getting, you know, the benefit. I mm. I don't think he did like it, and he's, we will still do it together. But um, I think maybe that's just as a parent, you're always trying to help someone else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we're going to
0: do this for him. And in the end, I was like, oh, I kind of, I really like this. This is good. Great. And so one of the things that I'm doing with this podcast is creating guided meditations and uh, the first one comes out on friday so is that the one that i did yes i liked it a lot yes we're gonna take an imaginary vacation so please tune in for that <laughs> that's great so thank you so much for joining me today rachel Anytime. Joyce. thank you so much for having me knitting isn't the only thing that can help Drawing, cooking, gardening, puzzles, any activity that occupies your mind and your hands can have a similar meditative effect. Of course, none of this is a replacement for therapy. If you're really struggling, please reach out to a licensed professional. We're here to help. Call your doctor, your insurance company, or contact me at rebecca.shackney.com. Thanks so much for joining me today for A Therapist Takes Her Own Advice. If you have enjoyed what you've heard here, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and tune in this Friday to our first guided meditation. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for future episodes, go to my website, RebeccaShackney.com, and send me a message through my contact page.